what we're doing is sort of bringing that London aesthetic and putting it together with um, a more sort of European architecture skill set. And it's quite interesting seeing what the product of that can be. That was Joe Littlefair, co-founder of design studio Goddard Littlefair. He was our special guest this week to help us explore a new era in luxury design. Design and architecture enthusiasts, wherever you are in the world and however you are listening, welcome to Design Pod with me, Hamish Kilburn, and my co-host, interior designer, Harriet Ford. Well, welcome back to Design Pod, Harriet. Lovely to see you, Hamish. How are you? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Comfortable in the Minotti London Exactly. Sofa. Lounging here, chit-chatting. We are literally here all day, aren't we, we when are, we record yeah. these episodes? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think our listeners realise. So no. we do up to four episodes in one day. Mm-hmm. And we record them all throughout the day, mm-hmm. but we're literally here, aren't mm-hmm. we? And we, we just mold we don't really move. Into the sofa, don't which we? is yeah. very comfortable yeah, and yeah, luxurious yeah, yeah, and brilliant. Yeah. So um, our guest today is Joe Littlefair, and the topic is all about less is more. Mm-hmm. Is that always the case? Do you think? I less think it is probably more? is actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you do look at interiors Refined, that are totally over the top, yeah. and you think amazing but I could spend about 10 seconds in them in them and then I've got to run screaming to the door and into something minimalist mm. so yes I think overload sensory overload is definitely uh, something to watch out for and is it difficult to work on a project especially that has um if it's within a heritage building for example to like strip out details to keep it small and simple and well, I think you, you almost certainly allow, uh, have to keep the bones of the building so mm-hmm. and often that's got a lot of detail in it so mm-hmm. the trick is how much extra detail you do or you don't put back in after that. And slightly bizarre because we would normally be having our guests sat next to us. I but know. Joe can't join us today because um, Martin, her husband, mm. has got COVID, yep. so he's self-isolating. So we're going to zoom, zoom in. in. Which For is good new, or bad. It kind of fills me with anxiety because it takes me back to the time when we had to record this all over Zoom. I and it was know. Like, but in theory, we should be well practiced <clears> at it by now. But we're always, you know, in danger of the uh, the internet signal yeah. jumping around. So we'll do our best. We'll this do our best. Better than... Excuse any sort of like performance qualities to it, but the interviews and the bare bones, as you say, is there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's Joe. Look forward to it. (laughs) This series of Design Pod is sponsored by Minotti London, the UK home of the Italian furniture brand that puts stylish luxury into unmatched comfort. So Joe, welcome to the podcast. Long time no see. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Lovely to see you guys. Brilliant. Yeah, and nice to see you too. Obviously, we're doing this slightly differently today because you're self-isolating. So we got the call earlier this morning that you weren't going to be able to make it. But thank God for technology because you're here on screen <laughs> and we're yeah. able to zoom in. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a godsend, Nightmare. isn't it? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Let's take you right back to 2019, before this whole scenario, before Zoom calls, before the pandemic. Um, you were crowned Interior Designer of the Year at the Britlist Awards 2020, no, not 2019. 2019. And Harriet was a judge. I was. You were the yes. winner. I was a judge. We were all there together. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you. <laughs> How was that moment? <laughs> Uh, really honestly I was incredulous it was so unexpected um I mean it was a great I mean pre-covid fabulous party all of my you know industry colleagues crammed in together you know Kit Kemp got up and took the um lifetime achievement and then I received mine and it was really quite a moment and 
super proud um, of everything the company's achieved and obviously my ability to participate in that is just being recognised, I think, by your colleagues, uh, industry colleagues is really special. Yeah, for sure. And the um, the topic that we want to explore today is really, you know, less is more, I think is a really lovely topic because it's, it's so... Um, relevant to, to a lot of the conversations we're having in regards to how design's moving forward. At the time, I remember interviewing you um, as Interior Designer of the Year, and you were you were concerned that you could get to the point where your studio becomes too large, and actually you yeah. needed to scale back to, to keep that touch point between yeah. all, all areas. Um, <laughs> what's, what's that been like recently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, lovely ambition. <laughs> um, no, I mean, well, to be fair, during the pandemic, we kind of create, we were very stable as a sort of size of just over 50 designers in London. Um, but we have, we started a studio in Portugal as well in that year, um, in Porto. And that's actually grown to be, 10 designers, architects uh, based out there, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, Brazilian uh, designers, all based in one studio in Porto. And it's so we, we've really enjoyed having that because they've brought different skill sets to um, our company and a different attitude and approach. But um, we've still been able to keep a sort of that touch point that I think Martin and I talked about um, mm throughout the company and onto the design. I mean, there are some projects where, you know, I still know every cushion fabric and what have you that's going on. So that is quite a depth um, to a lot of the projects, but then there are others where, yeah, well, you know, it's a, I have a little bit more of a high level view and Martin might go deeper into it. So we've been really, um, it's been really effective actually, the way that we've been able to build the company. We haven't gone crazy. We don't ever want to be, a, a much bigger studio are you going to quote mm. me on that no. <laughs> <laughs> Never. write that down <laughs> but it you know it, the size we are we're able to do those big scale projects quite comfortably mm. but we're also able to still take on the smaller ones and that makes us you know quite diverse in the projects we can take on and um i think then keeps our skill set quite fresh because we're always yeah. testing it we're stretching and contracting it there was just this amazing moment when, when we came to interview you um I, I came into the studio i don't even know if you remember but there was um one of your architects david who um, called you over and was asking you about um, your opinion on some detailing wh whether to yeah. include it or not within this guest room uh, render i didn't even know what the project was but it was so not nice actually just to sort of sit there as as um, a journalist and see this happen and kind of be a bit yeah. of a fly on the wall in, in yeah. regards to the actual decisions that go on and the fact that you know you were having that touch point with with yeah. your designers it's, it's so integral yeah. and actually it's the way in which you have evolved as a studio that's that's been at the core I think yeah no you're absolutely right and we you know, we yeah, actually, you're welcome to come anytime because there's loads of those <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I loved it. I was so inspired at the end. I was just like, and then we sat down and then your colleague came in saying, there's a chair being delivered for a Hamish. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember this? That's right. Oh my God. Random. And then we were trying to work <laughs> out. Special chair why, Hamish. Why there was, but it was a different Hamish in the office. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I know. How funny is that? What a coincidence. I mean, bizarre. <laughs> Anytime you're welcome, come and do a fly on the wall. By the way, it was. It, it I think was we great. need to. I think we need to go to the Porto office. Actually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Porto good call. I, 
Yeah. <laughs> on, on the right side of the river. I where do the, like Porto. I yeah, have been. Yeah. Where the, um, the, yeah. the, the port is on the yeah, right so side. We'll of the have river. Some, some coffee and some pastel donatas, I think, ready Ooh. waiting for us. Yeah. That's, that's right. our, that's our that's order. That's in the diary. <laughs> <laughs> what, now, was the, what was the decision to, to open up a studio there? Yeah, I mean, it was basically we're back and forth with Porto all the time. We work with a lot of manufacturers over there. Ah, uh, yeah. Both on, I mean, you know that we do um, residential developers work as well. And we mm. often do a lot of um, sort of bespoke show apartments or uh, sales suites, things like that. Sometimes mm. we'll do smaller amounts of procurement for like a hospitality project, like restaurants and bars. And we found that the Portuguese have a really good breadth of manufacturers um, who can sort of have that quality and that they, they just want to make you happy as well. The Portuguese mm. are fabulous people. Um, and basically we uh, have some friends over there that put us in touch with the right people to set up an office quite quickly. It was also the time that Brexit was sort of in the background happening and we were just like, oh, mm. yeah, you know, we want to mm. have a representation in Europe and and with a folk we have got a focus on resorts out there as well so we're doing um some resorts in the south of Portugal on the Algarve and some resorts in the, the Middle East which I can't talk about um but they're coming through mm -hmm. that studio we're working on a tribute in Paris um and a Hilton in Berlin through that studio and it's yeah, it's great because mm. the people that are recruited have had different training and different experiences. And what we're doing is sort of bringing that London aesthetic and putting it together with um, a more sort of European architecture skill set. And it's quite interesting mm. seeing what the product of that can be. So, yeah, mm. really yeah totally. mm. lovely people well, who are just really enthusiastic. So, yeah. yeah. And just interested to know sort of when in your mind do you think things changed um, in regards to like the definition of luxury for it to be more around sort of like the, the textured materiality as opposed to sort of to sort of like necessarily just aesthetically um, pleasing spaces as you walk in and sort of they, they look and feel expensive. When, when did we move past that, um, that definition, do you think? I, I think, um, you know, there's been an awful lot of talk about uh, authentic experiences authenticity there's been a lot of talk about sustainability uh, over the last you know decade it's been creeping up and up and I think that um, through all of that we've discovered a lot more about the materials we use their origin their natural properties you know what do they look like when you sort of slice a piece of stone and get the sort of the split face of a piece of stone rather than a polished and honed piece of stone you know so I think discovering those different textures for us of, of material um, mm. really helps to sort of layer up an interior in a way where perhaps in the past you'd think you have to go in with the most expensive stone, the most expensive paint finishes and gilding finishes and go for it. Actually, I think people are appreciating a little bit more honesty of materiality um, and just things beautifully and simply done. And I, you know, I do really enjoy that. I, I mean, it's amazing going and seeing beautiful interiors that are very well detailed and have beautiful finishes and and beautiful marbles in them. And that still has a real place. Uh, I just think there's a, a a sense of curating that so that we we don't just layer it up everywhere because we feel we have to, but we curate it mm. so that it's used where it's 
at its best effect, I think. Yeah. yeah. Against something that maybe shows one finish off better, you know, yeah. so that not everything is clamoring for your attention in a space. So And also what you have access to as well as the time frame. I mean, I'm noticing one project in particular, the the Mondrian Shoreditch. You you didn't have hardly any time on that project <laughs> to design. And you, you've ended up unveiling something that feels a lot different to what it did previously. Yeah. Um I know that obviously it's known as a party hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask really me how is. I know that. <laughs> okay, yeah. But you've really created more meaning in, in all areas, including the public areas as well. And, and the way in which you, um, so, so you've taken this, um, the chandelier from the lobby and you've repositioned that elsewhere in the hotel. I mean, mm. just the way in which you've reused those materials in a completely different way. Yeah. It's, yes. I think that's becoming much more of the decision, uh, that those decisions are becoming much more common from yeah. designers yeah. now, which yeah. is wonderful to see, actually. I mean, we got a lot more bang for buck, if you want, from placing that chandelier over a really low sofa group yeah. where it looked enormous and it was eye level rather than hanging up in a void where you couldn't sort of perceive it. So, yeah, there's a, a lot of sort of thinking about things like that and then you know we commissioned artists to do you know paint work on the, on sort of bulkheads and things like that so you know we brought in biophilia with him the guy doing um lots of sort of impressions of biophilia but also mixing that with a bit of a contemporary kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, motif mm. so that was that's quite cool I think getting that sort of uh, interaction story behind a space is really interesting as well mm. Do you prefer working on hotels that are close to home or do you prefer working on hotels that are in new territories? Ooh, that's a big one. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I want to ask Harry. Well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe you go first. <laughs> There's a comfort zone, isn't there, with working within what you know? Yeah. And and I think there's always a fear slightly in territories that countries you don't know of getting it wrong or misinterpreting it, and, and, and you do a lot more research to understand to capture some and some elements within that country that are that feel relevant to the people that live in that country, as as well as feeling relevant to what you perceive that country to be. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things, well, loads of things. Basically, I think as um, a designer from London I mean I think we're quite an inquisitive breed um, and we really want to get under the skin of wherever we travel to um, but I think I mean recent experience on a project in Turkey I mean that has taught me so much about sort of what's appropriate what isn't appropriate what's lost in translation what how you convey things and how you discuss inspiration etc that has been really, it's been very complex and very challenging, but it's been extremely rewarding. And what we're getting out of it is, you know, beautiful, a beautiful interior, bespoke design pieces, overcoming each challenge bit by bit with the team, you know, so the Turkish side of the team is really trying to find the solutions and we're showing them images of what we want. This is the level that we want. This is, what, and they're really, they're loving it, but it's challenging them. <laughs> and, it, mm. and, but that's, that's brilliant and also learning what's appropriate for that culture what kind of motifs can we represent mm. you know it there are fine lines um I mean when we did Villa Copenhagen we did so much research into the Scandinavian cultures there and understanding what they thought was luxury but they didn't want luxury they didn't want to show off 
but we had to be it had to be slightly more than perhaps the local market was used to and trying to get that balance right was I think you really hit the notes with that project Mm. like the F&B spaces are king in that project and actually within the the Copenhagen culture like it's all about the coffee areas the F&B slots that that's exactly what what should be represented I think Mm. especially in a heritage building like that one I mean the pressure must have been huge when you received that project brief yeah it it (laughs) it was but I mean it was just it was a real journey I mean the best the most defining moment was probably taking uh, the sort of design team over to London and going around different F&B and restaurants in the, the capital and just saying do you like this? What do you like about that? What do you hate about this? You know, and just really then you're in front of it saying, I hate that finish. So basically yeah. you just went out for lots of lunches, lots of dinners, lots of yeah, That was the byproduct. <laughs> I Research. Suppose, I suppose the other thing also is trying to, trying to decide whether you're going to embrace or avoid the sort of international look that's developed. Mm. That you do end up seeing everywhere. You think, okay, yeah. I can be, I mean, you know, I could, without it being even a chain of, of, of um, coffee shops or whatever, yeah. you can pick up the crittle and the bloody hanging bulb, bare bulbs yeah. and all that sort yeah. of business yeah. everywhere, the encaustic tiles. Yeah. It's just ubiquitous. Yeah. And so you've got to decide whether you're going to run with that or you're going to try and move away from that completely. Yeah. And mm. I think, you know, that project, it was about picking up um you know tiles and colors that we found behind the plaster work and really sort of dovetailing the interior into the architecture of that building so it really fitted the space and that you know old postcards of the space with the sort of light fittings that used to hang in the post room taking that inspiration and making something really either some pieces were a reproduction or an inspiration from, but some elements were completely fresh and modern interpretation. Like, you know, the um, uh, the bar, the new bar that's opened, it actually opened a bit latterly, actually, because of COVID. It sort of, they sequenced the opening. So not everyone's seen that yet, um, but it's, you know, got lots of leather straps with the little sort of brass weights at the end of it. So it's the sort of the weights from the post room would be at the end of the satchel straps. And, you know, it's things that would not, fit in any other in building so yeah mm. I mean it's that's so interesting to me because really when we're talking about materials it's like less is potentially more when it comes to luxury but when it comes to creating a design narrative it's all about those small details that yeah. when you walk past in a hotel you wouldn't even notice but actually mm. they need to be there in order to create the mise-en-scene of the yeah. whole environment and the yeah. experience that you're walking into yeah. so it's not really fair to say less is more generically yeah because it's not because the artifacts are so important yeah and there I think the thing is you don't want to sort of lecture a guest or sort of you know almost patronize them that they must learn this story about the building so it it has for me it feels like there is a story that's there under the surface and if you want it you're welcome to grab it and and have an eye you know hook into that that's great but if you just want to go and enjoy the space, you don't want to be overly burdened with it as well. Mm. It's like, oh, my God, every touch point is in this room. <laughs> well, I mean, you say that and I, I really hope I don't offend you because I love this hotel. But we cannot talk about storytelling without talking about the Mayfair townhouse. Because yeah. that is full of narrative from, yeah. the, from the moment you step in and you just yeah. enter this new world. But yeah. you've done it so um, effortlessly. And, and all different areas have to have their different kind of, yeah. their, their different cues and their different yeah. narratives within themselves. And I don't know if you know, Harriet, but the, the yeah, narrative yeah, is like yeah. um, fictional characters. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it was, 
We are, I mean, we are always interested by the, in the past the, and the people that live inside buildings. I think sociology is something that probably all interior designers should study at some point. We probably do it, mm. you know, as we go through our careers, but how people used space, who lived in what house, why did they live there? I think it just really kind of, you know, especially when you've got old walls, old bones, it kind of inspires you to to really connect with those pasts and bring them forward. So, I mean, it's, you know, so many different townhouses. You had all different kinds of people living in them. We couldn't find absolutely everybody, but and, and we did obviously <laughs> create a sort of uh, an interpretation. Uh, but the dandy, the aesthetic movement, that became a real inspiration for us for that project. And yeah, we filtered that through. The, the colour schemes are quite strong, and I think that's quite unusual. Usually people do kind of, you know, you could play very safe. There are some very, very small guest rooms, and you do think that lighter colours make a space bigger, but actually we went for a quite, a, you know, quite a strong colour, relatively speaking. And um, mm. But it's one that is very livable with, and it feels very residential as well, but it kind of creates a mood. So, yeah, it, you know, we loved that project. It, you know getting to that narrative and that level of dovetailing the past with the contemporary contemporary British art was you know it was a challenge in getting to that right, right level and calibrating yeah. it was really tough but we're we're delighted we're glad you enjoyed it yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was just um a big reveal I guess because we were teased as press with the very sort of selective renders as we always are and we, uh, were, we yeah. knew that it was going to be a, a, a sort of statement hotel but um when we walked in, I mean, it was just it just took our breath away, really. Um, just little details, like as you as you walk towards the the, the lift, you have the the textured um, uh, surfaces on. Is it like is it leaves that yeah, kind of yeah. really reflect the leafy yeah. neighbourhood of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just things like that. Yeah. It's just I just it's yeah. just clever. I know yeah. there's there's tons of it if you want it. Pocket watch lights designed by yeah, men's exactly. lights. You know, there's tons. And also the but... the rooms were. You know, you were restricted to the size of the rooms as well. It's it's very challenging in, in yeah. hotels yeah. like that that are in those buildings. What what are the main challenges with the the small size scaled rooms that you had to deal with, and how did you create an opportunity? Yeah, well, I think um, you know the brief from the outset was to try and create as higher level uh, products. You know, so really they were aiming at the five star market, and obviously with a room of that size it's really you know it's really challenging Mm. so um for us it was about layers of detail I I think the color really helps I think color always makes a room feel richer and more luxurious um so we did have sort of chalky painted walls you know in this beautiful dusky blue the curtain went into a wool fabric so very elegant everything was of fantastic quality if that makes sense and then things we added little red piping details and lines into the uh, interior architecture of the space. And the inspiration there was the sort of the contrast of a gentleman's jacket. You know, when you open a jacket up and you see a crazy coloured lining, it was that sort of that little accent of personality coming through into some of the detailing. I mean, getting the lighting right, getting the lighting built in um, so that it doesn't take too much space and it still feels, you know, beautifully luxurious. I, I mean, yeah tons of challenges getting all the right bits of pieces for, to p- make it a comfortable room for people to be in you know was it was very challenging but rewarding <laughs> no we mm, love it mm. um, and what are you working on now I know that designers these days have so many NDAs yeah, so. <laughs> I know I know um what can I tell you about well I've told you about the tribute in 
Paris and Hilton Berlin, IHG uh, Berlin is finally having a massive renovation that we've been involved in for so many years. So that's going to be coming to fruition this this year, which is fantastic. Um, we're obviously working on Mandarin um, in Vienna, Mandarin Oriental in Vienna, which is a fantastic. How is that project coming along? It, well, it's yeah it's coming along really well uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long one as you know um and we're delighted with the design and how it's heading in the right direction and i mean it will be a beautiful property so we can't wait to see that come to fruition either yeah. um we've got a project in istanbul which we're very excited to reveal this year as well so that's a 65 key almost boutique but very much five-star property so that's really exciting um and spas in london i can't talk about resorts in the middle east i can't talk about <laughs> <laughs> um it goes on you, you, I, I think you inspire a lot of designers because you are really able to to stay with the design as well as build your business mm. is that as effortless as you sort of make out to be or is it is it quite a challenge to to balance both yeah I think and Harriet for you as well I guess yeah like... I mean you know I well I I run my business obviously a micro business compared to yours and I I just I generally just like the element of running the business I want to be doing the design work but it's yeah. a necessary part of what you do it's a choice you make when you decide to run your own business is mm. you have to you have to attend to the business yeah and that makes makes you have to become all things really yeah. even if you then manage to to um you know deli uh, pass those on to other people people um to some extent you actually need to know how all those different elements work in the first place in order to be able to give them to somebody else to run with yeah 100 percent. so i mean you just described you have to know every element and how it's made yeah. up and why someone's done something like that or you know and, and yes it's contracts it's fees it's insurance it's you know the coffee machine <laughs> it's it's yeah. all, of, all of those niggly bits and i am you know much like you harriet i want to be um working with the designers that's my sort of safety spot my my mm. place I want to be it's why I get up every day um but you know we have got we have got people within the company who can take uh, a lot of this pressure as well and are very able in sort of dealing with it and they do it with as we collaborate we try and share it so that no one person gets all the pain um mm. you know because basically our uh, studio is still run by designers as well we we did try um creating roles that were more sort of focused on just running the business and it just didn't work for us um okay yeah just you know I think that it yeah it just was one of those things it wasn't maybe the right time or the right situation maybe it just needs that everyone needs to have that input because it's to some extent because it makes everybody understand how the whole thing works and if you keep everything yeah. too separate out Segmented. then nobody understands the, um, the, the the processes people go through to get to the decisions that they get to um, and they feel resentful yeah. because they feel that these have been imposed without them being heard but actually if they're actually brought into it and they understand why you went you know why everyone needs to go in that direction then it becomes a yeah. um, something they can buy into more easily yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so it it's fun. keeps me uh, keeps me wide awake. That's <laughs> certainly not more when it Hopefully comes to not business. at four in the morning. Too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Joe, 
In each and every episode, we do a quick fire round. Harriet and I have not prepared these. They're going to come off the cuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My first question <laughs> to you is, our, our listeners can't see the beautiful piece of art that's behind you. In a sentence, can you explain a little bit more about that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just one. So, um, <laughs> basically... Um, Martin and I love uh, the English countryside. I, I'm actually a farmer's daughter and I grew up in a house that probably looks a bit like that. And this is done in a really contemporary style. It sort of has a little bit of a North American feel to it, but it's actually of a Norfolk um, rural scene. And it just, for me, symbolises a bit of calm and peace and stillness. And that's oh. why we went for it. <laughs> That's nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. Here we go, Harriet. So mine is a completely different question because obviously we've heard all about your work life and the business and everything. So when you're relaxing, where do you... Well, yeah, in the rare occasions <laughs> and you're allowed to travel, where would you head to? Would it be to the top of a mountain to ski down it or would it be in a scuba diving kit to the bottom of the Red Sea? Yeah, um, well, both of those are appealing, but um, actually the, the last holiday was climbing mountains in the Lake District. So um, that was Martin and I straight up. Um, we wanted to go up Scarfell Pike, but we couldn't on the day. But we, we did three days of quite heavy walking um, because just getting away from it. I think there's about, you know, recalibration and just having time to think and clear your head. Mm -hmm. Um but, you know, I am desperate to go and do some real travelling to parts of the world I haven't been to. I really want to go to Costa Rica. Mm. Um, you know, that sort of let's get further away from it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We've been penned in a little bit and I just want to go. Actually, life is for living and I want to, yeah. you know, keep travelling and keep learning. So totally. Yeah. So just um, change the culture, basically. Yeah. 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 So another way to to get away from it all and to forget your worries is head to the Dandy Bar in Mayfair Townhouse. <laughs> What's the cocktail you're ordering? <laughs> oh God, I've forgotten the name of it. Uh, oh, I'm well, sorry, I put you on the spot. Um, to be fair, my two normal cocktails just that you can't go wrong with. It's a margarita or a negroni, so that's straight. But I, they do no do some really good ones as standard, and when I see it, I'll remember it. Yeah. <laughs> and can you remember how many crystals are in that Shorotsky, um peacock? No, I really can't. <laughs> to remember that one. <laughs> a lot. But that would be a good sort of, you know, game, I guess, while you're having it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> Joe, it's been such a pleasure. I'm just so sorry that we can't see you in person, but thank you so much for making this yeah, happen. Yeah, thank you. It was really great to hear you. Uh, it's thank lovely, you so much. so lovely to catch up with you both, as ever. Thank yeah. you so much and for we'll your time. We'll go for cocktails soon. <laughs> yeah. <and> me. <laughs> Real life in Costa one. Rica. In Costa Rica. In Costa Rica. There Let's we do go. That. We go from Porto <laughs> to Costa Rica. Just, I think that's a little road trip plan <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's a direct flight. It'll be fine. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joe. See you soon. Bye. 
So, Hamish, that was great. Oh. She is, she's brilliant, isn't she, Joe? She always just love feels chitting, chatting to big her. Big grin on my face no, and speaking to her. Know, like, people like that is what our industry yeah, needs to evolve. Yeah. And really. I think she's so, she seems so calm and collected for somebody that runs such a big enterprise. You know, she's got yeah. so many projects going on. She just, uh, yeah. It was fascinating, though, going, like when I went into the studio and it was like almost as if they'd set it up, but they absolutely hadn't. Mm. And someone just called Joe over and, like, all of a sudden all these decisions were being made mm -hmm. on this on this mm -hmm. project and they almost forgot that I was there mm. but for me I never get that perspective mm. of a studio mm. so it was nice mm. to see it in action. Mm. No she's uh, she's a remarkable part of a remarkable duo who've done amazing things and they have some brilliant projects. And they really complement each other as yeah, well. Yeah they with, do yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's fascinating to hear how they pushed themselves into Europe and how that was working and no really impressive. Mm. Yeah. And do you think we've concluded is, is Less always more, less is more. Yes. I feel less is more. Yeah, I do actually. I think yeah. it needs to be, it's always better to walk into a space and it feel more considered than, than something too over the top. Yeah, I mean, you always get your maximalists your and your minimalists. Mm. So, I mean, you like know, there's. We're minimalists, there's, don't we? Well, I think we are more, <laughs> more down that. Less, you know, it's, it's, it's the sort of visual clutter I can't deal with. Yeah. Um, but say if you went into um, somewhere I was, say, I was in, in Seville at the end of last year and you go into some of these interiors that are crammed full of a million different coloured tiles all going in different directions actually it's wondrous you know it feels but beautiful. even that because I was in Seville recently mm. and I was I was in the Gramelia mm. um, which is a, quite an iconic hotel there and it's known for that sort of gory red mm. kind mm. of like interiors mm. you walk mm. in it's very in your face and now they've completely redone it to be this like soft green, so it's really sort of reflective. Mm. I think even destinations like that are having to be more considered mm. in their design mm. because I think, as you've said in the previous episodes, design is becoming more international, mm. and that is what the guests want. Yeah. So certainly in hotels, yeah. anyway. Yeah, well, you have to consider, you know, what people are doing in the spaces. I mean, you can't put that into a bedroom because it's not restful for people. And equally, <laughs> Just you know, me shudder down my spine. That would create. You could, you to do a few handstands yeah. around the room, wouldn't it? <laughs> but no, you do have to think about the, what, the environment. You wouldn't put it into a, into the relaxation area of a spa either. No. It goes you back know, to that word again, doesn't it? it? Conscious, you know, being conscious yeah, about exactly, decisions. Exactly. Mm. So our next guest is Ed yes. Murray, mm -hmm. and he um, is an architect from Dexmer and Associates, mm -hmm. and they have recently unveiled the first Westin hotel in the UK, mm -hmm. which is. Um, just down the road on the River Thames. So Excellent. it's all about fluid architecture and wellness and really defining a new era in wellness, mm. I think, in the, in the sort of urban hotel. Brilliant. So well, I really look forward to hearing. Totally. Yes.